Welcome to the eighth episode of Demol Belty Season Seven recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is a Canadian who I can honestly say I trust ninety percent ish. Logan Saunders. Good evening. Good evening, and I mean we usually say we're in the world's Logan Saunders and all those fun little games, but it seems to be something about the semi-final week where we have to make a big announcement. Because I'm just going to lead with this. We've been mentioning all season that we're going to Antwerp on Sunday for the finale at the invitation of Gilles de Costa. And Logan got an email yesterday evening, we're recording this on Wednesday, Logan got an email on Tuesday evening to say, yeah, you guys are going to be needed a little bit earlier because you're interviewing everyone. What? How has this happened? <laughs> And I'm pretty sure we're the only ones who got the email in English. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure of that too, but Logan knows full well. He got the email as I was driving to yet another radio appearance. And I pulled over and said, can you just forward me the email? I'll have a quick glance when I park up. And I parked up in the car park at Media City UK. And luckily I was a bit early because I was freaking out. I was basically just sat in my car alone going... How on earth has this happened? Like, how, how, what is a life? I was just kind of, for once in my, my life, I was stunned into silence at that email. It's like, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get to see the press screening, and then you're going to interview the cast, and then you're actually going to go to the finale as well, and you've got to stay stum about who the mole is, because you're going to see it twice. And I'm like, uh, what? How has this happened? Yeah, like, the impression we've always had is that we were going to be thrown into like the back row somewhere for the viewing with all the other fans that we were just going to be like, it was going to be quiet and no one would really notice we were even there. (laughs) From speaking to Gilles last year, I honestly expected the worst that we would have be Gilles come into the screening and go, a Logan and Michael here. These guys have traveled all the way from Canada and the UK to come to this. Never in a million years did I think that we would be going to the press screening, interviewing the final three and I happen to know that at least one of the final three does listen to us, so hello, we'll see you on Sunday. And then actually being able to be a part of the finale as well. Yeah, we get to watch it twice and not understand a word of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to actually have to, like the proper journalist I am, take a notepad in with me to the press screening and do our notes, because we'll be recording on Sunday night for the finale recap. We're going to stumble our way through two, three tasks. We're going to stumble our way through the reveal of them all. And we're going to do it live from Antwerp. I wish we could be like the UN where we can wear the headphones and somebody translates what's being said on screen in real time. Maybe we should just email the lady at Veer and say, yeah, can you arrange that for us? Can you just arrange some sort of translator? That'd be fab, thanks. <laughs> I'm not sure they could do that with four days notice, but hmm, it's a challenge. <laughs> So anyway, this long build-up is basically to say, I know it's pretty short notice, and and we did this with the Gilles interview surprise as well. In fact, we did it less with the Gilles one, because it was, well, a one-day turnaround. But if you guys have got any questions you want us to ask to Baz, Elizabeth, or Axel, please let us know. I've already posted this on Twitter everywhere, going, "Uh, this is actually happening, guys, what the hell? But yeah, if you guys want to get a question put to those guys, I can't promise it'll happen but we'll try. And also, if we get enough material out of it, you're going to get a second Belgian Mole episode next week because I'm going to release the interviews first. So that'll be fun. And if nothing else, we're going to get selfies with the final three. Awesome. And hopefully Booba. 
I want a selfie with Booba. Yeah, we need to talk about our wish lists uh, off air, I think, because there's certain people who I know for a fact that we're both going to be seeking out and trying to mingle with and get pictures with and just generally make tits of ourselves around. (laughs) Maybe there's an open bar. (laughs) I hope for your sake and everyone else's sake there isn't. (laughs) <laughs> because Drunk Logan is fun Logan but Drunk Logan is also representing the podcast on Sunday and most importantly I have to podcast with Drunk Logan after the actual episode <laughs> I mean it's all of it's going to be in Flemish anyway yeah but for once in your life you actually have to make a little bit of sense when we podcast I can't have you vomiting in my hotel room in Antwerp <laughs> I reserve the right to slap drinks out of your hand if you're getting a bit out of hand. That wasn't in the NDA. <laughs> it's in our friendship NDA, alright? <laughs> so anyway, where in the world is Logan Saunders? Discuss. Where was I last week? You were in... It was after South Africa, because there was no South Africa. No, it was South African discotheque last Belgium Bowl episode, I think. Yeah, it was. So it's Cape Town Airport. Oh yeah, that's right. Cape Town Airport? Johannesburg Airport, sorry. Yeah, so then I went to Cape Town for the week, six days I was there. I pretty much had major sleep deprivation. I managed to get four hours of sleep in a 48-hour period and didn't shower for almost three days because I went from Cape Town, or I woke up, showered, ate as much breakfast as I could, met up with an online friend who I'd known for 10 years, um, then went to the airport. My flight was at 6 o'clock in the evening. There's a funny story there, which I will get to in a second. Um, then it was an 11-hour flight to Istanbul, and I dropped my... It was like 5 in the morning when we got there, dropped my bag off at my hostel, I checked in so early that I actually got to have the free breakfast, (laughs) which I'd never done before. Yeah. So I had the free breakfast, and then I explored Istanbul till about 6 o'clock, no, 7 o'clock in the evening, went back to my hostel, had a two-hour nap, then went back to Istanbul Airport for a 1 a.m. flight, then flew to Athens, which after a delay... I got in about 3.30, had breakfast, waited for the train, for the first morning train, and then checked into my, went up to near Acropolis, checked into my hostel at around 11, and then taught, did my teaching until 5 in the evening, watched Belgian Mole, we were about to podcast, but I declared myself to be a zombie. (laughs) And then I was able to shower and get a good night's sleep, and here we are today. I'm in Athens. Because we were meant to record last night, and Logan went, oh, I'm too tired, can we do it tomorrow? Yeah, whatever. It wouldn't have been a good podcast. I had to set my alarm while teaching, because I have 10 minute breaks in between each student, and twice the alarm woke me up during those 10 minute breaks. (laughs) The awkward thing is, it was the same 10 minute break. Could you imagine? <laughs> luckily, it was luckily it was two different ten minute breaks, but I fell asleep for like maybe two minutes, and then it woke me up. Not a good time for Logan. It was worth it, though. The wonderful thing is, you've got absolutely no excuse on the next Belgian Mall podcast because you're going to be next to me. 
Oh, sorry, can't, Michael. I'm <laughs> I don't have a good internet connection. Yeah, can we do it tomorrow? No, I'm flying home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asleep. I fell asleep in Jill's arms. <laughs> Being real, if and when we do meet Jill, that's going to be our banner, isn't it? And our life made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, he's going to duck us. He's just going to bolt for the door. <laughs> because you think the same thing I do, that Jill has a little bit of a hand in us becoming press members for this. So I think he's probably going to seek us out a little. I know that's big-headed, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he... He draws attention to us in some capacity. We have to record him saying that we're his best friend. And... Oh, that's what I want. I, I 100% want Jill to admit that we're his best friends. And now you must find Kineopolis. Success! <laughs> Weirdly, as I often do when I was on the radio last night, I, um, I did try and be a mole missionary and explain to people why the mole was so awesome. And it was brilliant timing because... As I said, we only got the email saying that we were going to be doing like the press pre- uh, the press screening and stuff probably less than an hour before I went on the radio. So I was buzzing from it anyway, and then basically trying to say, yeah, I've got an interesting weekend because I'm going to Belgium anyway, at the invitation of the host for Belgium's number one TV show, going to their screening of their live finale. Oh yeah, and I'm now interviewing the final three. And... I then tried to explain why the mole is awesome, and it it turns out it basically just boiled down to drunk museum heist, ostriches, paint bombs, and just general intrigue, I guess. I don't think there's a better way to describe Belgian mole. You know what we need to find out about at the finale? The number one question I'll have. Does Elizabeth hate women? Is Axel a fuckboy? Oh yeah, those are questions number two and three, I'll admit. Is anyone pregnant? anyone pregnant um but i'm really curious to hear the story about the reagan pipe i've been waiting half a season for to know all about this reagan pipe i know this is kind of skipping ahead in the episode but are you aware of the fact that everyone loves yuri so much that they've released a soundboard of yuri no on the website yes it's on the website and it's amazing i was having to play with it last night and the the clip where he says, um, and she really wants to sing a song about a Reagan pipe, is on there. It's just listed as Reagan pipe. <laughs> Who composes the lyrics? Is it going to be like, um, who's the fellow from Dutch Mall this year? Uh, Niels. Niels. Is Niels going to compose the song about the Reagan pipe? Hopefully. It's going to be a number one hit in Belgium and in the Netherlands. Oh, you know what the song should be called? V is the Reagan pipe. <laughs> also, to cross franchises, Reagan pipe, you want some cookies? You just referenced three shows at once. Yep. So anyway, Belgian Mole. Let's actually start with this episode, given that we are on... Oh, bullet point number zero for me. So previously, the final five split up, with three of them learning Vietnamese and two of them playing Fat Bertha with some children. Axel revealed he could speak backwards for a radio competition, while the art team was shown a painting by the mole. Everyone faced their fears in the coochie tunnels, while Kat's tunnel busy saw her be sent home next. What's the name of the tunnel? Coochie. <laughs> that means something very different where I live. I'm sure it does. <laughs> and we open the episode with... A flashback, I guess, and the mole's first briefing on night one. And this was actually released as a an online glimpse 
I suppose is the best word, um, on Saturday, I think it was. So I, I was vaguely aware of this clip existing. But we basically learn how Gilles has been briefing the mole. And that is that the mole has sometimes had to watch a video briefing by Gilles that was hidden on a phone somewhere around their hotel. And it only unlocks with their eye. And he begins by leaving it in a bathroom stall. And it was also suggested that the mole should be at the art challenge. Which, does that mean that the mole wasn't at the art challenge? Well, no, the mole could only be at the art challenge now because the three who went to the art challenge are the final three. (laughs) Yes. And the actual episode opens on day 16 at breakfast where Gilles has left them a note. And they have to split into two pairs, two stylish city people and two vocal country people. And Bass says he wants to be stylish just in case there's sewing involved. And it's quickly split up that Yuri and Axel are the country team and Bass and Elizabeth are the city team. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to add at this point. <laughs> and the one pre-challenge bit we get is that Elizabeth also recently bought a sewing machine because she's short and needed to hem stuff. She was, she was going to run out of pink shirts. I'm very much looking forward to meeting Elizabeth because you're like 6'2", I'm like 6'5", we are going to dwarf her. It's going to be so funny. It's a good thing we're men and not women around here. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. She she might actually like us. <laughs> but with me having to hold the microphone, I'm going to have to hold the microphone so low for her, I know, and I know I'm going to. You're going to have to get like somebody else to hold the microphone for you. I'm going to have to like crouch down. <laughs> or she has to hold it. Yeah, but then we have to crouch down to, to actually speak into it. Or to hear her. So the country team are driven to a small farm nearby and the city team have to head back into Ho Chi Minh City and Jill meets the country team at a farm and hands them a phone and all they have to do to earn money is solve emoji word puzzles This is unique It is They get 15 messages during the challenge with emojis each representing a phrase and in the barn there are 15 muddy pigs For each expression they get right they can wash a pig and find a word written on it and they have 45 minutes to wash as many pigs as possible. Each word that is grammatically correct in the sentence that they form at the end is worth 200 euros. And the pigs don't cooperate at all. Yeah, who knew that animals could be unpredictable? Maybe, like, Jill's, like, punched and kicked all the pigs before the before the challenge, so they were extra irritable and confused. But, um... I think it's quite sweet that in the first regular episode and the last regular episode, Gilles just reveals twists via the medium of word puzzles you can unlock via previous challenges. Because we had the mole hasn't been chosen yet, and now we have you can sabotage the mole tomorrow. How the tables have turned, Mr. Bond. And Elizabeth and Bass are taken to the Vietnam Fashion Academy in Ho Chi Minh City and are greeted by Mr. Hue. And they will compete with the students in a fashion show that evening, and a jury will judge the out- outfits and select the better one. If Elizabeth and Bass get chosen, they win €2,000. And also, they don't know it yet, but the country team will try and pick which outfit was created by their compatriots. And if they get that correct, they also win €2,000. Yeah, they completely conceal that as if, um, as if production assumed that they wouldn't be picked as having the winning dress they're like oh we need a way to make have like a fail safe so they have a chance at some money yeah it's kind of a backup plan more than anything isn't it yeah and do you think mr huay feels proud that he's named after a vietnamese town not a vietnamese town vietnamese city i've been there it was awesome 
Yeah, Mr. Huey. I wonder if it's named after his great-grandfather, Johnny Huey. It is spelt slightly different, but we'll put that to one side. But I, I did go to uh, Huey last year. A uh, very interesting place, as you might have seen on the Amazing Race repeatedly. It's just like old and colonial. Because we went to three places in Vietnam. We went to um, Quay, then uh, Natarang, and then um, Ho Chi Minh City. So Quay has like French architecture? Yeah. Well, we went on a tour called Imperial Quay when we were there. So it's kind of where all the emperors were and stuff. No Quay. Yeah, it's a, a frequent uh, Amazing Race location because they love to give them the roadblock of put, learning about all the emperors and then putting them in order on coins. Um, but I happen to know that they are going reasonably near to Netarang next week as their final location because we actually know where the, the final test and uh, reveal takes place thanks to the opening episode. Right. Netarang, not my favourite place. Why not? What happened in Netarang? It's, um, it's Vietnam's party town and everyone drives like an idiot more so than anywhere else like there's a lot of quite dangerous driving in Natrang. we didn't stay very long we went back to the ship <laughs> hmm. and at the vietnam fashion academy baz does ask the iconic question what would you wear if there was a tsunami goggles <laughs> the goggles do nothing <laughs> and they decide on a theme of global warming. It's a fashion show. They went really intense. Yeah, I don't think we're really that qualified to talk about a fashion challenge between the two of us. Gonna be perfectly honest. <laughs> I didn't expect two mole contestants to go to design fashion clothes with a theme of global warming. Yeah. And with 20 minutes left, Axel and Yuri have eight words, and they skip two phrases of the ten so far. And then Baz and Elizabeth argue over their topic, falling apart, and then Elizabeth goes to the bathroom. And then, in the end, Axel and Yuri get ten words, and they have one minute to form a sentence, and they choose the chance to reverse roles tomorrow. And they get 1,600 euros for that one, out of the possible 3,000. However, the full phrase, if they got all 15 words, was tomorrow you have the chance to reverse roles and sabotage the mole. Yeah, they pretty much did the sentence in a Yoda way, if I'm not mistaken. But as Jill said, it might not be pretty, but it's grammatically correct, so you get 1,600 euros out of it. Sabotage the mole, you will. (laughs) (laughs) And the design team's theme is preventing single-use plastic, which confuses Axel and Yuri as they've seen a lot of plastic on the trip, and it's opened their eyes to it. But they choose the incorrect outfit... However, the jury do prefer Axel and Elizabeth's outfits, so they earn 2,000 euros of possible 4,000. That'd be such an ego destroyer for the professionals. Yeah, I mean, you're good, you can confuse Belgian people, but you're still a bit shit. You just wear plastic. (laughs) And now to a task that only Belgian mole can do. I have a question, actually, because you mentioned how Elizabeth went to the bathroom. Why does she do that every challenge? Is that her way of sabotaging? Like, she just says, oh no, I have to pretend to either do nothing or uh, counteract the efforts of our team, or I'm just going to go to the bathroom and just use that as my way of sabotaging. Like, when she's revealed as the mole, is it just going to be a series, just every task? How did Elizabeth ruin this challenge? Oh, she excused herself to go to the bathroom for half an hour. 500 euros lost. I'm going to spoil the ending for you now. I don't think she's the mole anymore. I've changed my mind this week. 
And do you think she excused herself to go to the bathroom to see if there was a phone with another briefing on it? No, I think she just went to cry <laughs> and not do it in front of the cameras. Tears of joy that there's no other women around? Yeah, yeah, that as well, but... Most women like to go to the bathroom in pairs. Elizabeth is the one who celebrates when it's just her. I like how we haven't mentioned this for weeks, and now we're just going, like, baubles deep into the Elizabeth is a woman-hater thing. But yeah, I think that it is Baz now. Double exemption boss? Yeah. I mean, there's just a few things that Elizabeth, if she was Mole, has done that I just don't see a Mole doing. And Bass definitely has put himself into a lot of the right places where the mole should. Because if you think about it, using the example of the next challenge, if you are the mole, and you go into it knowing that there is going to be a chance for someone to steal your briefing and stop you getting it, and you get no more information, you go balls to the wall to make sure you win that challenge. So you're really no Axel because he just came off the porn set when he... uh... When he started up that challenge and ate breakfast during the challenge. I think if you watch that challenge and you actually suspect Axel as a mole, then you're sadly mistaken. <laughs> there is not a chance in hell that the mole would sit there and have breakfast knowing full well that people are running around the hotel trying to sabotage you. Maybe that's what he wants you to think. Michelle was on Axel up until this week, by the way. I had a chat with her earlier about it. She's changed her mind? Yeah, she doesn't think it's him after this week. What if it is him? She's gonna, she could have gone two for two. I know. She, I've already said to her that I, I want to get her involved in our, um, our mole drafts next year. Because she was the only one who got the mole right for Vidum. And potentially she could be the only one to get the, uh, the mole right for Belgie as well. Because if you think back to the Vidum finale when we had the final three, you were on Sarah, I was on Niels, and Michelle was on Meryl. This time, officially, you're an Elizabeth, I'm on Bass, and she's on Axel. You couldn't write this. Yeah, how do we always think so differently? I have no idea. And usually I'm wrong on this, so if it's Baz, I'm going to be very, very smug. So anyway, everyone wakes up on day 17 in Ho Chi Minh City in the hotel, with room service breakfast arriving to each of their rooms. And they assume correctly that it's not just a breakfast, mainly thanks to the cameras on the carts. They each find a tablet with a video from Gilles explaining what his briefing method was this season. And they can find the smartphone and sabotage the mole's briefing if they find it before the mole. Or they can enjoy breakfast instead. Like Axel. If they find the phone before the mole, the mole will not get briefed today. You know what? You know what's more important to potentially making 5,000 euros? Is having a healthy start to your day. Yeah. I mean, he's just... He's thinking about it carefully. He's got his calories leveled out. It's a very balanced breakfast. There's only a few days left. you got to be sharp. And in the carts, there is a tracking system. And the faster it beeps, the closer they are to the phone. And the first person to find the phone claims it. If they're the mole, they get the briefing. If they're not, they don't. Simple as that. So they don't even get to watch the video? Well, no, not if they're not the mole. Oh, right, because they have to have the same eye. Yeah, if they're the mole, they get the briefing. If they don't... They just get the knowledge that the mole won't be briefed today. So whoever you suspect of being the mole, you could essentially like poke their eye out, um, give them an eye patch as compensation, and then unlock the phone. In theory, yeah. That would be a little bit serial killer-esque. Well, no, because you're not killing the person. You're just, you're just gouging their eye. 
You're just maiming or seriously injuring. Yeah. It's the Dobby method. <laughs> Dobby didn't mean to kill. Dobby just meant to maim or seriously injure. <laughs> and Axel does finally find the tablet after everyone else has, like, pretty much lost the challenge already. And I just have a note here saying that Axel's choice to leave in a robe is wonderful. We assume there is nothing under that robe. I think he had his pyjamas on underneath. I think you could see that eventually. But just Axel generally, where did they find him? At the risk of sounding a bit Nicky Graham-esque, who is he? Where did they find him? Because you couldn't write a character like Axel. A pilot who's afraid of heights. Like, he's a pilot who's afraid of heights, who's rumoured to be a fuckboy, who just bumbles his way through. He's only like 40, yet he acts like Sinan. You know what they need to do is redo the Vietnamese dinner challenge, but have Axel there in his robe and then trying to go under the table? Axel gets an 800 euro challenge of, uh, come back wearing this robe, and then just slowly let it ride up. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get Mr. Huang to uh, to tell you to stop showing so much flesh, you get the 800 euros. <laughs> Show your Huang to Wang. <laughs> that needs to be hashtagged. Something tells me that we're going to be discussing that Vietnamese dinner a lot on Sunday. I disagree, Michael. I don't think we won't be. I don't think we'll be discussing it at all. Should we now link arms and start singing a song on this podcast? About Reagan pipes. About Reagan pipes. One of our challenges should be, we need to, when we speak to Elizabeth, try and get her to sing a song about Reagan pipes for us. No, a speech. She's the one who did the speech. Yeah, but she was also the one where uh, Yuri said that she's got a beautiful singing voice. She loves singing a song about Reagan pipes. (laughs) So I think we should bookend the season with her having to sing us a song about Reagan Pipes. And I know officially the rest of this episode basically belongs to Baz and why he is the mole, but also this challenge belongs to Axel, because yeah, you get the three competent people running around the hotel actually trying on this challenge, and then you get Axel running around in a robe, making sure he eats breakfast first, and being accused of being a porn star. He should have, he should have responded to the woman by saying, hey, you want to come onto my set? You want to fly my plane? You want to be in the cockpit? Mile High Club? (laughs) Can I be in your coochie tunnels? Oh. (laughs) But also, knowing a little bit about TV production as we do, you know as well as I do, they would have had to get a release from her signed to say that, oh yeah, can we include your porn comment in the episode? So she actually had to approve... The fact that her porn comment was going to be in an episode on Belgian TV, which is, which gets insane views. Do you think she'll be at the finale? Will she be in Kineopolis? Yeah, imagine that conversation when she got home from Ho Chi Minh City. She just got home and said to her family, you know, I had a really weird experience. I, I had a camera crew, like, shove a camera in my face. And they really liked a comment I made about a Belgian pilot potentially being a porn star. And, yeah. It seems to be going on TV, but I'm sworn to secrecy about exactly what it is. And then uh, three, and then like a year later, hey, there's this random podcast on the internet that's talking about me being on a Belgian reality show that when I was in Vietnam. It's talking about me knowing a bit too much about Belgian pornography. <laughs> now I, uh, I found a new hobby. 
I have a new podcast. <laughs> I mean, how, however we get listeners, I'm not going to be fussy. Can we cross-promote with your podcast? Well, saying nothing, the number one podcast in the UK is still a podcast about amateur pornography, or amateur erotica, actually. Oh. It's a very funny show called My Dad Wrote a Porno, which, as the title suggests, is three friends, one of whom is a radio DJ over here, um, finding out that one of their fathers writes terrible pornography and going through it. wonder if I should start doing that. It's got an HBO special in a couple of weeks. Hmm. But yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting... Um, it's an interesting program. <laughs> or an interesting show, I should say. It's an interesting show. I'm very much a fan of it, but I can see how certain people aren't. Depends how much of a prude you are. I see. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but the tactic with this challenge is definitely start either on the highest floor or the lowest floor and work your way up or down. No, you go every second floor. They were just so erratic with it. If they went, if someone went straight to the top and started working their way, their way down, they could have easily beat them all to this, rather than letting them all get the phone. I would have gone to the top floor, because then it would be easy to push the cart down onto each floor, as opposed to trying to push it up like salt and pepper. And also, if you went, um, if you went on the, the top floor, it would have been beeping a lot more than when you were on your lower floor where your rooms were. So you could have then basically ruled out a lot of floors straight away. Yeah, just start it, start it out on the top. Be like the opposite of Drake. Well, in fact, what, what I would have done is gone to either the top or the bottom floor first, and then gone to the opposite straight away. Because then you rule out like half of the floor straight away. Like if it doesn't beep at all, then you're like, well, I just go to the top now. Yeah, if you if you go to the ground floor and it's basically not beeping at all, like it was to Axel when he was in search of a second breakfast, you can immediately rule out probably the bottom half of the floors already. I think he was closer to going back to Belgium than he was finding the phone. Oh, I think so too. But that's what makes him a delightful character, and I, I genuinely can't wait to meet him on Sunday. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Can you tell that I'm really giddy about this already, by the way? We've still got four days left. <laughs> Do you think instead of being in a chair, he'll be watching it from underneath the chair? Oh no, he'll be watching it from a cockpit. He'll have a cockpit put in uh, Kinopolis. And he'll be wearing a robe. He should show up in a robe at the finale. We've still got time to get custom robes if you want, Logan. Or if he's revealed to be the mole on Sunday, like when he emerges from that uh, darkness around the candle, he should just be in his robe. Like, Peter emerged from, like, a cross or whatever it was in the ring there, in the Mexican bull ring. Just have Peter just, or Axel just casually come out in a robe. I'm fully aware that by ruling out Axel, I'm probably wrong here, by the way, but like, I just can't see it being Axel because he's such a bumbler, for want of a better term. He's so aloof. <laughs> aloof. Yeah, aloof is a good word for him because he's just kind of he's kind of a bit crazy. <laughs> I say this a lot with Belgian Mole, but I don't know where they found him. They found they found him knee deep in a Reagan pipe. Lucky guy. <laughs> Lucky yes. <laughs> so then Baz finds the phone in a chest on floor ten and he gets his briefing and then everyone else's beeping stops. And Gilles greets him at the breakfast table. And either Baz was briefed, which he was, or there's no briefing at all today for them all. 
and everyone uses the final few hours to prepare themselves for the penultimate test. And Elizabeth says she only has one suspect now, and she's scared that her diary will get read. And Axel says that money is more important now, and that people will be more careful. Yori says you can't trust anyone, but you want to. And Baz says he's confident, and he trusts him 90%. And Baz says it's more important that the phone was intercepted than him specifically finding it. And do you think that the mole went without a briefing if it wasn't Baz this time? Yeah, I think they actually did. I think I don't think Jules would dupe the cast like that. Because I'm not 100%. I, I obviously think that it's Baz, so he got his briefing anyway. But I really wouldn't be surprised if the mole got a little briefing beforehand to say, just so you know, everyone could steal your briefing here. Here's a little rundown of the final challenge. Well, they won so much money during the challenge, so I don't think the mole got to see the briefing. Because they won a lot of money. It could have been so much worse. They did. But also, is that a deliberate double bluff? Because everyone was looking to Baz with the questions. We'll get to this challenge in a minute, but when the questions were being answered, everyone was kind of looking to Baz to see whether he was going to sabotage or not. So you think all all three know Baz as the mole and they're all onto him? I think Axel and Elizabeth do. I'm not sure whether Yuri does. And that's the kicker. I'm not sure whether Yuri knew that Baz was the mole. Was Yuri looking as to how Baz would answer each of the three questions? No, the other two were. Who was Yuri looking to? Uh, Elizabeth, I think. Hmm. And this challenge is really, really interesting. Because in the final challenge of the episode, everyone heads to the District 4, the former Mafia heartland of Ho Chi Minh City. Which is cool in itself. Jill greets them as this challenge can influence who is and isn't in the finale. They can also earn up to 5,000 euros. They have to pick a suitcase containing playing cards. One suitcase has cards worth up to 1,000 euros. One has 2,000. One has 3,000. And one has 5,000. And he will ask them three questions. And if they answer correctly, he will remove the suitcase with the lowest value cards left in it. If they answer incorrectly, he will remove the highest. And the first question is... Who was the fastest of the four in all the previous tests? And they choose Axel. What? Axel doesn't care about a phone, but when he does the quiz, he just speeds through it? Yeah, apparently he's a, a speed demon. And the most suspected candidate after the first test was apparently Yuri. Oh, because of the juggling? Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't really know much at that point, did they? They didn't realise that Yuri was probably going to be the person who made the deepest run in any season of the mole with never sabotaging anything. <laughs> but now the final question that is the question we've been asking now for eight weeks. The question is, how many people got a you may be a mole screen are still left? Because there was a lot of rumours going into that episode saying, oh, everyone might have got the maybe screen. No, because Jill wouldn't lie about that. However, only one of them was left. And we do find out that their guess of one person was correct. Which means, of the remaining three people, because obviously Yori was never going to be the mole, of the remaining three people, only one of them, who is the mole, actually got the you might be the mole screen. And this is what started kind of pushing me towards maybe it's Bass, because if you think back to episode one, I said that I think the three people with the screens were Martine, Kat, and Bass, because they were kind of focused on the most in that first episode. I suspected it was going to be one of the three of those, which is why I 
slightly strong armed you into letting me uh, pick all three of them on the pool. And that's kind of what twigged me back onto Baz. But also, you think back to stuff like the, the boat escape room in Harlong Bay. Would the mole really have put themselves in the, um, in the cabin away from everyone else? Or would they have deliberately sabotaged by dropping the cage and potentially be able to see if people were struggling and accidentally hit people's life jackets if they were being a bit too quick? That sort of stuff. I'm pretty convinced in my terrible record of mole guesses that it's Baz now. Hmm. Interesting theory. But you're wrong. I know I'm not the only one who th- who thinks this, because the great thing about recording on a Wednesday is I have two days to kind of look at everyone else's theories as well. But I'm leaning towards Baz again purely for that that thing, because I'd kind of put it to the back of my mind, the whole, you may be the mole screens. And the fact that I thought it was Martine, Cat and Baz who got him. But Baz was so heavily focused on in that first episode. He got by far the biggest edit in the premiere. It wasn't even close. Do you think, then, that Boz is trying to sabotage as little as possible this week, so hoping somebody else in the final three is going to shift who they suspect? I wouldn't be surprised. But also, if you think about it, the ones where Baz has, con- has control over it is the final card game, where he can basically be strong-armed by anyone else who suspects him into not being able to sabotage that much, because he only has influence over him having the exemptions that no one else else does, and it's therefore a, a fair playing field, and who has the penalty. He can't really control anything else unless he manages to get one of the 3,000 cards. That's the only way he can really sabotage that game. I wish Andre 3000 from Outcast was on those cards. The other bit he can sabotage is the fashion thing and it was very convenient that before the challenge was actually uh, revealed he said that oh my grandma um, taught me how to sew or mother taught me how to sew I should say (laughs) mother mother taught me how to sew I think when we speak to Baz we do have to try and get as many Arrested Development references in as possible but that's for uh, another discussion I wonder if he's ever seen a lewd seal maybe we should get a seal stuffed toy or something for him I'm a monster. I'm a monster. <laughs> but yeah, the only other one he could really sabotage was the the fashion task. And I don't know how you would sabotage that unless you make it a really awful dress, in which case your team are probably going to guess it. The best way to sabotage it is to make sure that it's not that awesome and that you don't win the entire 4,000 euros. Because as soon as Elizabeth puts in a fashion style that she that she would wear herself. The guys are probably going to go for that one just thinking, "Mm, it looks like the sort of thing she would wear. It's all pink. Molly Ringwald would wear it. So I don't think it's... I don't think it's Elizabeth anymore. I was kind of wavering on whether it was her last week or not. I was in a state of shock from Cat going and only watching it like an hour beforehand. But it's famous last words, but I can't see it being Elizabeth anymore. Yeah, but you're always wrong. I know, but I have to break my streak eventually. And also, I'm not always wrong. I was onto Peter far, far before you were last season. And I was onto Jan far, far before you were in 18. But you always talk yourself out of it because you always focus on one suspect. And then you have to go back and review the tape right before a finale. I don't always focus on one suspect. You make me focus away from those suspects. 
I trust you too much because you've got a better record than me. Well, don't put this on me. No, I'm putting it entirely <laughs> on you. <laughs> don't put the blame on me. You are the reason that I lose. <laughs> You're the reason I'm going to get drunk at the open bar in Kineopolis. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I'm worried I'm going to have to be your minder. <laughs> Especially if Boz ends up being the mole. Ugh. Oh god, I'm going to be so smug if it's Boz. Exactly, that's why I, I will be very drunk if Boz is the mole. Otherwise, I'll be sober. There's extra stakes now on the table. So after the suitcases are all removed, they do actually get all three questions correct, so go team! Uh, so they are playing for up to 5,000 euros. And all they have to do is um, play Old Maid. The one thing that bothers me about this challenge is it's a forced exemption at Final Four. I don't like forced exemptions at Final Four. I feel like it has to be really, really earned. Yeah, I I get what you mean, but also I think Michelle at least had much more of an issue with the whole oh, you might be able to penalise one of your rivals. I don't mind the penalty since it's just one question. Like at this point, either you, you know who the mole is or you're going to score really, really low on this test. I don't mind it either. And also, more importantly, there's got to be some stakes for a game like this because you can't just play it for an exemption anymore. That's kind of a bit blasé. You have to play it for something fun. And the fun is the consequence of maybe one person gets penalised, maybe three people get penalised, maybe nobody at all. But oh, there's some danger to it. So they all have four money cards each, and they have to take cards from others and place them on the table. If they get a match, they earn the amount on the cards for the pot. They also get an extra card, either an exemption card or one of three penalty cards. And the penalties give someone a wrong answer on the test. Sort of a reverse yoker. And each amount that isn't discarded at the end is taken from the potential winnings. My mom plays Old Maid with her daycare kids, and after watching it play out on the mall, I could never play Old Maid casually again. I'm going to have so many... I'm going to totally overthink the strategy. Well, it goes back to an old Dutch mall trope of playing children's games and card games for high stakes. Because they've previously done... Well, we had Kaplunk, we've had Jenga this last season. I knew said Jenga then. Um, they love a card game. Like this is this is just a Dutch mole trope, and I love that they're kind of doing it, but doing it in their own style. Have they ever done Go Fish on Dutch mole? They have indeed. <laughs> awesome. They've done Go Fish a couple of times. I think that, didn't they do Go Fish in the most recent Australian one for not an exemption, but for extra time on the test? I think it was thirty seconds knocked off uh, off the test at final four. Oh, I had no idea. I may be wrong on that, and in which case I'll get an angry message off Bindles, but I think they did. And how do you think the mole would sabotage this challenge? What would you do as a mole? I think I would get everyone talking as much as possible to the point that they get confused about about trusting each other. Yeah. Do you think it's a good thing for the mole that people are just trying to get penalties straight out? Yeah, because then you don't earn any money. Yeah, because the only way to to actually win all of the money on this challenge in two rounds, because they only play two rounds, the only way to win all of the money is to not go for the penalties and not go for the exemptions and to just let it be how it'll be. As soon as you start taking penalties out, as Yuri and Axel did in the first round, 
you immediately guarantee you can't win the entire pot. Exactly. And, and they went for the penalty matchup first round? First pick? Yeah, it was very first pick. It was Yuri having the first pick, and he took the card from Axel, and it was a penalty, so they matched. But as a mole, that's a great thing. But then your number two priority has to be keeping the 3,000 euros out of the pot, which didn't happen. I wonder if the penalties were matched up just because everyone in the final four, including the mole, um, if they had a lot of compassion to not... um, to not screw somebody over like that right at the end of the game. Yeah, it's another great example of a game where it's a choice between playing for the team, as Yori tended to up until this challenge, or playing for yourself and making sure you personally don't get penalised. And it's something that nobody's really talked about that much. Yeah, because it was, it was almost like an ethical dilemma, because it's like, do you want to screw over... It was almost like a fair, fair play agreement that nobody wanted to penalise somebody else right at the end of the game because i'm guessing everyone had too much compassion and it, everyone just agreed that it would be a terrible way to go if that one penalty made all the difference as opposed to an exemption which is like a because an exemption is like a positive um benefit to work in your favor but a penalty is like just an outright uh, is a negative consequence so there's always that different outlook like yeah let a person benefit from the exemption, but don't give something that's going to screw a person over completely. Which is kind of funny, because if an exemption is given to a regular player, then it's a big negative consequence for the other two. (laughs) Yeah. The thing about this exemption as well is the fact that it's a rare exemption in the fact that it doesn't screw people over. The worst it does is maybe saddle someone with a one-point penalty. But... You don't have to take money out of the pot to keep the exemption or anything like they usually do. Right. So Axel is second up, and he takes a 200 euro card from Bass, which is banked. Bass is third, and he takes to just take a card at random from Elizabeth, but it isn't a match, because as we know later on, it is the exemption card. And then Elizabeth is fourth, Yuri says he has a high amount, but she just takes a card and it is not a match. And then on to round two. Elizabeth suggests that whoever has the exemption should just take the penalty card so no one's disadvantaged. And then the second round begins with Yuri again. He takes Axel's 3,000 euro card, and that is also banked. And Axel's turn takes much discussion, but he picks randomly and doesn't find a match. Baz banks 400 euros thanks to Elizabeth, and then Elizabeth finishes it up by taking Yuri's 600 euros, leaving 800 euros in the game. Baz has the exemption, so he's the first finalist, and he also had the penalty card, meaning no one's disadvantaged. And thanks to the fact that any money left in the game is taken off their winnings, they earn 3,400 euros of 5,000 for the challenge, 7,000 euros of 12,000 for the episode, and 32,550 euros of a possible 81,400 for the season. They're doing pretty damn good. They are doing not bad. And Yuri earned every euro in that challenge pretty much. Yeah, Yuri earned a vast majority of those euros. It's quite spectacular when you look at the figures that people do of, oh, who's earned the most money? Follow the money is the, the normal mole tactic. Yuri is by far and away the biggest earner in this in this season. How many times has he even screwed up? Barely any deliberately. I mean, Reagan Pipe's probably the last major one. And that was only for like, what was that challenge, like 400 euros? About 400 euros, yeah. But Axel is now the biggest earner left in the game. Then it's Baz 
about 500 euros less and then it's um, Elizabeth about 500 euros less than that. There isn't much in it between the final three. I think Baz and Axel have both been responsible for about 6,000 euros going in the pot and Elizabeth about 5,500. There really isn't much in it. But who's been responsible for the most money taken out of the pot? That is the question. (laughs) So now it is time for the penultimate test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of them all. Whoever knows least is the last person to go home before the finale. And Yuri says that he just wanted to be not the first person to go home. And he had Tunnel Vizzy and Cats. And the mole this year is unbelievable. And Axel wanted to see this through to the end. And he said that winning would be a source of huge pride. And Elizabeth started the exemption and Baz took it immediately. And she'd be very bitter if she left now. And then we don't actually hear anything off mole Baz. So then Gilles says at the uh, execution that they're all really strong candidates, but the game is relentless, so someone still has to go home. And the first person to get a screen is Yuri, but it's a red one. And then he gets about five montages. He gets a lot of montages. I think from looking at social media, even with the language barrier, I can tell that people really like Yuri. We really like Yuri. He was very fun and very much up for doing pretty much anything. I never really suspected he was a mole, which is a shame for me because, you know, ruling it down to two people would be great. Ruling it down to one would be even better. But I'm not surprised that he's gone. So, I guess with my theory, that means he would have lost out on that last quiz to Axel, of all people. Yeah. I'm pretty convinced, and we're going to go into this in a minute anyway, I'm pretty convinced... Baz is the mole, Elizabeth's the winner. And Axel is left alone in a robe. I think so, yes. Who do you think? I know who you think the mole is, but... I, well, I'm not going to change final episode. It's going to be Elizabeth's the mole. You're not going to change final episode unlike last year? <laughs> don't think I don't remember. That's because my suspect got executed. Yeah, I know, but you still had to change it final three last year. <laughs> Elizabeth's the mole... And Baz is a pretty bright guy. But if Axel's been going fast on the quizzes, though, yeah, but it's it it's note taking for the final quiz. I think. How many questions is the final quiz? Thirty or forty, normally. Yeah, if you go too fast on the final quiz, you could just mi- miss a question just by stupidity. No one has ever lost the final quiz on time. Except the first time. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, remember with um, Kathy and um, Hannah? Oh, yeah. I have blocked that out of my mind. Because they, they had the double tie. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah, because the first time they tied, and then they had to do an additional quiz, and they tied again, didn't they? And then, then the last tiebreaker was a timed one. And they hated it with pen and paper. They didn't even get a computer or prepared one. Yeah, because normally um, normally the final quiz isn't timed. Yeah, because they don't expect there to be a tie. So, oh yeah, so, yeah, because the first quiz was a tie, and then they had to do it on pen and paper afterwards, and that one was timed, and it was just ten questions. And they tied again, but Kathy was slightly faster. So it does come down to time, Michael. It does come down to time, but only if they tie twice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what we should have asked Jill. If ever since that season they've made the final quizzes tougher. I think, to be fair, the 
final quizzes are probably going to be pretty tough anyway, especially on a season like this where there's nine episodes to go off. It's not like normal where there's eight. There is nine this season. Right. Yeah, they could really pull in some obscure questions. It could potentially be the first quiz where they get asked, did the mole bungee jump in the first episode? So, next time, the final three face their last challenges, and they take their places in the temple that we saw in episode one. And there's a Pulp Fiction challenge, Toxic Plays, there's karaoke, and it is time to look the mole right in the eyes. So Elizabeth's the mole and Boss is the winner? So you think. I'm sure we will find out. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm sure we'll find out. Of course we're going to find out. We get to see the episode twice. I should bleed and hope that we'll find out who the mole is. Well, it's all in Flemish. We won't know. I think we'll probably get it from the context of someone walking through the smoke and Baz going, Mother said I couldn't do it! What if it's just Axel just coming out of the smoke to get to a buffet? You just see the smoke and then you just hear, like, plane noises. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the uh, the mole is about to land. Cruising at an altitude of oh, about six foot five at the moment. <laughs> For the next nine episodes, there will be some turbulence. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And the other question I've got to ask, who else do you think got the You Might Be the Mole screens? Looking back on basically the entire season now, who do you think got the other two, other than Bass? Oh, before we get to that, Madonna's Vogue played in this episode. It did. I never expected a Madonna song to be used on the mole. The problem we've got is that every single time we watch one of these seasons, we go, oh, maybe the music's a clue this year. And I got burned by the Avengers clue last year. Or what I thought was an Avengers clue last year. So the music doesn't play into it. For all you know, Boss is a big Madonna fan. Well, he has mentioned everyone who was in the song. Yes, he's really big fans of... Uh, Greta Garbo, Fred Astaire. Fred. <laughs> Ginger, Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire. Dance on air. So anyway, who else do you think other than Baz got the uh, the screens? Rita Hayworth gave good face. Fellas, or ladies with an attitude, fellas that were in the mood. <laughs> There's nothing to it. Let's get to it. Vogue. Vogue. Um, I've got Vogue on my mind. Vogue, Vogue, stop, Vogue, stop, Vogue. Stop padding. <laughs> um, let's see. Who got the screens? I think Kat got the screen. Um, I think she'd be a good candidate that Jill's probably had in mind. And I know one person who definitely didn't get the screen. Who do you think definitely didn't? <laughs> the older lady. <laughs> you mean to tell me that the older lady wasn't them all again? I've been bamboozled. <laughs> I don't think Ingrid, who overreacted to every little thing... You don't think that Biscuit Eater Ingrid got the You Might Be the Mole screen? Oh my god, we have to bring biscuits to the finale and give it to her as a gift. <laughs> I can make that happen. <laughs> Given that we're there all day, I'm going to have to bring snacks anyway. So, I can just make sure that it's biscuits. Do you remember the look of terror on her face when she was eating the biscuit? <laughs> it was my favourite thing in the premiere. And you know the best thing is looking at this pool, because I'm about to go into the the pool standings reluctantly, you picked Ingrid before you picked Axel. 
<laughs> you picked her as your round three pick, and my round three pick was Yori. It was the biscuit. I risked, I risked it for the biscuit. And the reason that I mentioned the pool is because, for the first time all season, Team Saunders still has more members than Team Harmstone. What up? The bad news <laughs> for you is that your team are not them all. Oh, you have Bass. I have Bass. <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not as I'm not worried like a biscuit eater. Like when I was walking through the park in um, in Amsterdam, sort of thinking, oh, maybe we should do a um, a mole draft this year for for Belgian mole. I was thinking about it, and I thought, oh, but it'll it'll definitely definitely say who is the best mole picker. But here's the thing: if it's Elizabeth, you got her on pick number one. And I said it wasn't her, because I remember saying it wasn't her. On the other hand, if it's Bass, not only did I probably pick the three people who got the You Might Be The Mole screens correctly, but also, I owned you. So there is a lot riding on this pool, and far more riding on this pool than I think I expected in March when I was walking through that park in Amsterdam. And this is fun. Do you know how badass I'll look if Elizabeth's the mole? I know. It's like it's like my first pick. That's what I mean. If Elizabeth is the mole, you will look badass because you got her on pick number one. If Baz is the mole, I'll look badass because I beat you. And let's be perfectly honest, I've not put many points into Baz, so this is the only way I'm actually going to win on Belgian mole this year. Because of my tactic of going basically all in on one candidate all season. There's only been... Two weeks, I think, of the eight that I've actually split my points. Other than that, I've gone 100%. I think Ava might have been the other one who got the screen. I'm not sure. They focused a lot on Baz in that episode. And they focused a lot on the young'uns, Martine and uh, and Kat. Which is why I think it's those three. I think that's something we need to ask Jill's about. I'm curious how he got it narrowed down to those three. And why the one person really stood out. Yeah, I'm interested by that as well. I'm not sure whether we're actually going to get much time with Jill. I hope, if nothing else, we can have a picture with him. But I'm just interested by this entire season. It's been amazing. We usually save this for the uh, the reunion episode, but this season's been amazing. Right from the Biscuit Eater to the Reagan Pipes to... to Vogue. I don't know how every single year they make this show so good. There was really no missteps this season. No, that's the thing. It's stunning how it is consistently, justifiably the best show on TV. Because for all all that you can say about, oh, yeah, so many people watch it, it's probably crap. This show is the best thing on TV. And it is rightfully getting a lot of positive attention in Belgium. Because the Dutch season, the Dutch season wasn't that great this year. It was alright. It just wasn't the best. But this one, they came up with so many great twists that didn't interfere with the game too much. And I must say, I've never been fascinated by a game of Old Maid as much in my life as I was yesterday when I watched this in Belgian Mole. Hands down, the dinner party challenge is one of my favourite challenges I've ever seen on TV. It's, it's just pure character scenes for 20 minutes. I want them to try and do that in like when they film a season in North Korea. See how that goes over with the generals. One question I do want to ask uh, Gilles if we do get a chance. I want to find out after last year whether Vietnam was on his list of countries they want to go to. And if it was number one. 
because pretty much this time last year we did ask him the question of have you already started thinking about where you want to go next season obviously you're never going to tell us but have you already started thinking about it and he said yes he said he'd narrowed it down to about two or three countries and i want to know if vietnam was one of those and where it was on the list and what the other ones were but he'll never tell us that because they're probably going to be used next year yeah so it's a very interesting place that we find ourselves in four days before we meet up in Antwerp, go at the press screening, meet everyone, and have an amazing time. And I don't know how how we're going to live without Belgian Bowl. <laughs> we'll find a way to pass the time for 40 weeks. Yeah. It's genuinely quite sad that we're, we're going to be saying bye-bye to Belgian Bowl in two weeks' time. Obviously, the one in two weeks' time is going to be a little bit shorter than normal. But next week's one's going to be probably quite long, let's be honest. Given that we're going to have all the stories from the uh, the screening and all the stories from when Baz is crowned as mole. <laughs> no. I'm just putting it out there. It's gonna. I'm going to keep saying it till it, it happens. So, thank you for listening to this Demol Belzy recap. We will be back next week live from Antwerp with the knowledge of finally that Baz is the mole. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MJ Hamstone for me, and Log Supercracker for Logan. Most importantly, if you haven't got any questions for any of the final three, or anyone you can think of who's tangentially related to this show, because we're going to be trying to harangue them a little bit of the finale, let's be honest, please send them in. You've got until, like, Sunday, I guess. Also, if you're watching Amazing Race 31, we are recapping that every Sunday with the lovely Michelle Pierce Denovan. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the final flavoring. Yeah. <laughs>